For those of you who have been around for a while or know me, you'll probably know that my passion is often teaching on the Old and the New Testament to speak on a chapter or sometimes a whole book. I've in the past preached on the book of Deuteronomy and the book of Leviticus and taught about how Jesus Christ fulfilled all these things. And it's a great style of teaching and it's one that I rely on. I actually find security in it. But I feel God's actually shared something different for me this morning. And that is to not speak straight off a passage, but actually to speak on, I'm going to say two words, reverence and awe. Reverence and awe. The dictionary defines reverence as being to hold something in high regard, in deep regard, whether that's something or someone, whereas awe is considered to be reverenced, mixed with fear and wonder. And this morning, I just want to share off those two words as we look at the scriptures. But I think I need a framework to do that. So the framework this morning we're going to go with is actually based on Psalm 103, verses 1 to 2. You'll hopefully see that. Hopefully you can see that in the font. And it goes like this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. It's a verse that I think is familiar to so many of us. And actually, I want to say that we've already begun the first parts of blessing the Lord. It is great to praise and worship together. It's amazing to have the time to break bread and have wine together. That is part of it. But actually, the bit I want to set as a framework this morning is that we might bless his holy name. That's the first part. And the second part is that with our all, everything within us, that we would not forget his benefits. In fact, it says, forget not all his benefits. So we are going to look at two names. Technically, it's one, but I've broken it in half. And it comes from the book of Revelation. Again, not a book I would often preach on, but in chapters 17 and chapters 19, it has a word that's also in Timothy, and it says this, that Jesus, or the Messiah, the Christ, he is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. It was a name that was written on his garment when he comes on that second coming. Jesus is the Lord of Lords and he is the King of Kings. So we're going to look at those two names, but actually I don't want to focus too much on how Jesus got them. I'm happy that we consider why he has them. What I really want to do this morning is focus on what does it mean to you and to I that we might forget not all his benefits, that he is the Lord and the King. So, Father, I just pray that this word would come from you. Would that Holy Spirit that brought it to life when it was first written be at work in us? Would it be, a, or, as it were, on my lips as I speak, that, Lord, your words would come out? Holy Spirit, would you be upon the ears of those listening, those in the room and those who are watching online? Would you be on their ears by your spirit, that they would hear the word of the Lord and receive it in their hearts and be blessed. Father, we give you this time this morning that you would be glorified and exalted in this place. Just as we choose to give glory and to exalt you in our lives, Father, we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Do I get a yes and amen so far? Are we happy? 
Good, good, good. Quiet. I'll take that as a good thing for now. Reverence and awe maybe already started. In fact, one of the things I wrote was that if I could just say reverence and awe, step off the platform, and then God turns up and we continue in a time of worship, I'd actually be quite happy. Maybe you'd be quite happy as well. <clears throat> but let me talk a little bit more. So let's go to the first name so far. To Jesus is the Lord of Lords. Do you know, it's not just that Jesus is the Lord of Lords. He is Lord of all. You'll see I've put a lot of the scriptures today. I didn't want it on the screen because I just feel that um, we'll be flicking off and on. I've put all the scriptures that I'm referencing today on your notes. Please do after today. Look at them. Um, read them. Spend time in the Word because I think there's more to come after this morning for you. But Jesus is the Lord of Lords. Acts 10. There is no one greater than Jesus. There is no one above Jesus. There's no one outside of him who is better than he. He is the Lord of Lords. That's his, not just purpose, it's his title, but it's what he is. He is the Lord of Lords and the Lord of all. And more than that, for those of us that believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, he is the Lord of our salvation. If you look in Romans, it says that for every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it actually goes on to say that he who confesses that Jesus is Lord, who believes it in their heart, will be saved. So when we say that Jesus is Lord, we say, yes, he is Lord of all. He is also Lord of our salvation, your salvation, my salvation this morning. But more than that, one day, when Jesus returned, the scripture says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. And yet today we have a choice, you and I. We have a choice. Do we choose to live with Jesus as Lord? Do we choose to have him above everything and before everything and over everything? Or do we actually choose to place ourselves in the lordship of our own lives or others? Do we raise something that is above Jesus that shouldn't be? Have we got the right order in our lives that says Jesus is Lord? To which I would say, looking at you lovely people, Yes and amen, Jesus is Lord of your lives. And in fact, if you look at the early church, in fact, in the book of Acts, chapter 9, it talks about a time where actually there was blessing and peace. And it says this, and it goes on, apologies. The church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And it says, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit it multiplied. See, I want to suggest that if we know that Jesus is Lord, that if Jesus is Lord of this church, his church, if we walk in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, we as a church will be multiplied. We will grow. We will flourish. We will be all that God intended. And actually, I want us to focus not so much on the name of Jesus is Lord of Lords, just briefly for a moment of what it might mean to live and to walk in fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to say here that um, fear is a word, I think I've spoken on this time, that creates a lot of emotion. In fact, fear can be negative in the wrong place. You can be fearful of someone or something. I don't believe that's what the writers in the Old and the New Testament are talking here. In fact, the Bible has lots of different words that it uses for fear. In the New Testament, it has a word called phobos, from which we get the word phobia. 
and it's often translated in the Greek to fear or respect or awe or revere. And when we're talking in Acts chapter 9, this is the word it's using, that we should fear the Lord. Elsewhere, like I say, it could be respect or awe. But again, in the Old Testament, there are other words used for fear. There's one called yara. My Hebrew isn't good pronunciation, but my concordance tells me at least that it's the most popular word for fear in the Old Testament. It's used 130 times, although often it's translated as afraid. The same word has two applications, two meanings. And the sense here is that people in the sense of yara would be fearful in the sense of fearful of people or events or occurrences. It's a fear that's of the flesh, of the natural. It's how you feel when terror is upon you or when hardship is upon you. It's not a good fear. I want to say now, it's not a fear that I think that God encourages in us. He actually says, perfect love casts out fear. There's another word in the Hebrew, though, called pachad, which is a fear, a terror, a dread. And again, this sense of uh, a fear of something bigger or greater coming upon you. But again, that's not the fear of the Lord that we are reading of in the Old Testament. Because there's this third word called yaira or yara, and it translated fear or piety or reverence. And nearly all the times that this word is used, it's used in the phrase, the fear of the Lord, that's shared in the New Testament. And this fear of the Lord is something about a supernatural response to the one who is above it all, who is the Lord of all, who is awesome and holy. And the people revered God. The people feared God. Yes, they may be trembling. He is a great, awesome and holy God. But the people were called to fear the Lord. And here's where the benefits come in. You see, if we choose to walk in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the Old Testament says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It might be the knowledge of good and evil. It doesn't necessarily say. It might be right from wrong. It might be good from bad. But there is the beginning of knowledge as you fear the Lord. More than that, it says in Proverbs 8, the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. Once you have knowledge of good and evil, you also know through the fear of the Lord which one to choose. Choose good, by the way, if there is any doubt on the subject. But the fear of the Lord helps you in regards to the hatred of evil. The fear of the Lord goes on. It is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and understanding. You think of when Solomon prayed for all wisdom. This is the kind of thing he got. He got the revelation of the fear of the Lord that leads to wisdom. Nice little benefit here. The fear of the Lord leads to life. In fact, it says elsewhere, I didn't pull this. It leads to a prolonged life. The fear of the Lord leads to a fountain of life. These are all good things that come as we choose to walk in fear of the Lord. By the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. It's a choice. When we choose to fear the Lord, we choose to turn away from evil. And more than that, it says that we are to continue in the fear of the Lord. Now, I want to say what it's not. The fear of the Lord is not religious. The fear of the Lord is not the law. The fear of the Lord is not works. We have been saved by grace. We don't need to earn salvation through works and through hardships on our, because Christ has achieved it on the cross for us. As I said before, the fear of the Lord is not about worry or anxiety, for perfect love casts out all fear. But I do believe this. 
the fear of the Lord comes with reverence. It comes with walking, accepting that God is holy, that we need his grace and favor and strength, his understanding, his knowledge, his wisdom to walk in his ways for his glory and name's sake because Jesus is the Lord of Lords. I did say I don't want to preach long this morning. I, I could preach a series, as I joked with Jamie the other week, on that one alone, and let alone the King of Kings. All I want to commend to you, church, is that God is calling us in Christ Jesus to love him and to walk in fear of him in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I would commend to you to spend time in the Word, to spend time with God, to press in what that might mean for you, because I believe God has revealed himself through Jesus Christ, has given of his Holy Spirit, and wants you to walk with him in his glory. I'm not sure if that's a yes and amen, but it's certainly a nice juncture to go into the second half of the message. Jesus is the King of Kings. Amen. Thanks, darling. I did tell you this morning was different. I haven't got my normal blanket around me, safety blanket of um, standing and sharing scriptures. And um, I just believe God wants to impart to us this morning an understanding of what it means to receive Jesus as king. What it means for you and I to say that he is on the throne, that he is the one who is established for all eternity. Doesn't matter what's happened in the past or in the present or in the future. Jesus is the king of an eternal kingdom. He is the king of an everlasting kingdom. It says that he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the first and the last. It says, if you go back to the Old Testament, that of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. There will be no second term. There will be no third term. Jesus will be eternal on the throne, everlasting. This is our king. This is your king. This is my king. He is the sovereign one who is above it all. And more than that, he is the king with all authority, all power. Everything is given over to him. Every other ruler, every other power is subject under Jesus Christ. This is our God. You know, I don't want to shout the word this morning, but I do want to proclaim it loudly. Jesus Christ is king of our lives, king of kings. I said to Jamie it was going to be a quick message this morning. It really is. Because there's nothing that we can do to force God to be anything other than he is. All we can do is come in reverence and surrender to honor the Lord our God and then to watch and whether we stand or kneel or lay face down or sit in awe of who he is and what he has done. We can't make it. He's already done it. This is our king. You know, the church in Acts, in chapter 2, we often see and read this. They'd seen Jesus. Let's say they, they have an advantage. They'd seen him in the flesh. They knew what he had done. But the church then went on to devote themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to breaking bread together and to fellowship. And then I love this bit in Acts 2. It says... They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers, and awe came upon every soul. Awe came upon every soul. 
Oh, and by the way, many wonders and signs were being done. I don't know which you want. I think I want the awe of God, because it seems to me that when we stand or sit or kneel in the awe and presence of God, things happen. Signs, wonders, freedom, healing, blessing, fullness. That is what God has for us as our king seated on the throne. Do you know, I know the early church would have taught Jesus Christ crucified. They would have taught Jesus Christ resurrected. But they would have also taught Jesus Christ magnified, exalted, his kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the Jesus that they loved, the one who was seated above it all upon the throne of God. And I believe that for us today, for you and for I, if we devote ourselves to all that God has for us, and I'm going to say whatever that may be, it may be the teaching, it may be the breaking bread and the fellowship, it may be all these things in prayer, whatever it is, when we devote ourselves to the Lord, our King, I believe his all will come. I believe his all has come and will come in increasing measure so that he gets the glory. He gets the glory. And believe it or not, I have a few minutes to go, but the message this morning, as you'll soon see, is what is our response in regards to Jesus being Lord of Lords and King of Kings, to which I came back to reverence. He is the Lord or he is the king who has blessed us abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. So I am going to ask the worship team to come back. And I've slightly left the worship team short here because they've got a six-minute set that I think is a 12, 15-minute set. I just believe the Lord wants to move amongst us. But as they come back, I want to come back to forget not all his benefits. You see, because Jesus is Lord of Lords and King of Kings... He endured poverty that we might have riches. He humbled himself to death, even death on a cross, that we might have the riches and all the riches of heaven on account of Jesus being humbled. Do you know, Jesus was crucified that we might be forgiven. We've broken bread, we've sung the songs. We are forgiven on account of Jesus Christ and all that he has done for us. He was wounded that we might be healed. We've already read it in, I, in, the, in the songs in Isaiah 53. He was pierced that we might be healed. Jesus was rejected that we might become adopted, that we might cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, that we might enter into the presence of the Father and receive the blessings of a son, an heir and a co-heir with Christ because Jesus Christ was rejected that we could become adopted. Do you know, Jesus was made sin, though he was without sin. When he died on the cross once for all, he took all sin, past, present, future sin, that we, you and I, might become the righteousness of Christ, reconciled with God, reconciled to one another. Do you know, Jesus became a curse as he hung up on the tree that you and I might have blessing, that you might be blessed. It actually goes on in the verse in Galatians. It says that actually, you might be blessed and receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus took on our curse that we might receive the blessing of Abraham and the gift of the Spirit of God in each and every one of us who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It says that Jesus died that we might have life, life and life to the full. 
He took our shame that we might share in his glory. Here's a one for today. He takes our anxiety, our worry, our natural fears that are not good. He's taken them that we might be at peace. That's Philippians 4, apologies for the uh, 2. Not sure where 2 Philippians is in my Bible, but... Do you know, he takes our old self and he makes us a new creation. He takes our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. He takes our lowercase s spirit and gives us the uppercase Holy Spirit in our lives that we might be a new creation amongst the first fruits, the firstborn, the resurrected that Jesus Christ can dwell in and live for his glory. And lastly, he uses our weakness. He takes our weakness that we might be strong. We started on Psalm 103, verse 5 of that same very psalm says that he will renew our strength like the eagles. I'm going to say yes and amen to that. He takes our weakness that we might be strong. Now, I believe that this was the teaching of the early church. No wonder they were in awe. No wonder they revered God. No wonder they fell before him and worshipped him. And God moved in power and signs and wonders. And I want to ask a question of us, church. Is that what we want? Do we want to see God move in awe and signs and wonders? To which I think the answer is, and amen. Can we bring the last slide, second slide? There's only two today. You know, I know we're supposed to have a response but actually, I'm going to leave that over to yourself, what your response is. We are going to have to the front to your left a place where you can come and kneel and pray before the Lord. No one will come and pray with you. And we are going to have uh, an opportunity if you want to come to the front. I would love to pray with you. Um, in particular, if you're looking for riches, forgiveness, healing, adoption, to be made righteous or know that you're righteous, to feel blessed, full of life, his glory, his peace, that thing down the right-hand side, to be new in him and strong. I would love to pray that for you. And the ministry team, too, would love to pray with you. But here's where I think our response is. And apologies, I don't know if you can read that from where you're sat because it's very yellow. Majestic, I would like to think. Therefore, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom. Where there's a therefore, there must be a wherefore. This whole passage is actually talking about the fact that there's a kingdom that had come that could not be shaken, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. I don't know what acceptable worship is to you this morning, but I want to suggest that God wants us, desires us, welcomes us to come before him this morning in reverence and awe. So we're just going to, Father, we just open this time to you. We choose to come before you this morning to give thanks, to be grateful for all that you've done because you are Jesus, Lord of Lords and King of Kings. So Father, we just come and offer ourselves, our bodies, our all, as the psalmist would say, to you. Everything that is within me. Bless his holy name. Father, we rejoice in all that you've done through Christ our Saviour. 
through Christ our Lord, through Christ our King. And we just now come to worship you in reverence and awe. Come Holy Spirit, move amongst us we pray for your glory.